Hallelujah. Christ has risen. Christ has risen. Amen. We've been waiting two years to say that. And we haven't been able to have church and we haven't been able to have Easter for two years, although you can never hold Easter down. Friends, let's do it again. Christ has risen. Fantastic. Take your seats. Thank you. Oh, yes. Father, thank you for your goodness. And thank you that this morning we can celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That what man thought was impossible, it was possible with God. We thank you. We thank you that you have defied all logic. That you have initiated the greatest rescue mission of humanity. And come to bring life to this broken world, to this dark world, to a world of pain, a world of strife, a world of war, a world of famine, a world of, of disease. And yet in the middle of this brokenness, we thank you for the great promise of Easter. We thank you for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, for every family that is gathered here, for every individual that has come, for every person that has joined. Lord, I pray that the Easter spirit, the, the joy of the resurrection will arise in each one of us. And that we thank you that Easter Sunday is a new day, a new beginning, a new start. And Father, I pray for many here that have come through a difficult time, that have faced bereavement, that have faced uh, problems, that have faced disappointment both here and life and church and, and community and government. We declare for Canada that this is a new day and that the gospel is the answer for this world and the good news of Easter should be proclaimed to all the world. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. And thank you that we can gather as family this morning and families and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Zach and the worship team and um, for leading us so well. I'm going to invite the ushers to come and take uh, our offering. And as they come and do that, uh, let me welcome you here to Willow Park Church. Uh, we, we're grateful that you've joined us. If you're here with family members, we're excited that you're here. If you're here with people that have been baptized, baptize some people in the first service, baptize them in the second service at the end. Well, uh, just depends how long the preacher is when that will happen. Um, yeah, yeah, I won't say anything about that. Uh, but uh, we're blessed that you are, you're with us. And as friends and family, we're so happy that you've come and joined us. It's been, we know, a, a difficult number of years and we have missed this environment to be able to celebrate and to be able to worship together. Doesn't it feel good to be together and, um, and to worship? It feels so good. Uh, I want to say a couple of things. First of all, we've had a devoted series uh, called Seasons with Pastor Jordan, a, past, a podcast every day through the day of Lent, something like seven weeks of podcasts. Many of you have followed that, over two and a half thousand people engaged in that. And uh, I just want to say thank you to Jordan for taking us through Lent and uh, for doing that. We're so uh, blessed. 
uh, by that, that beautiful work and that beautiful uh, gift to us as a, as a fellowship. And that, uh, what a blessing that is, has been. I've been away. I've been in Africa. And so it's my first Sunday back after four weeks. I was away. I was here last week, but I was at Lake Country, our campus there. Pastor Glenn was preaching. Uh, he wanted to be with us this morning, but unfortunately he tested positive with COVID, so he can't be with us. Uh, so that's a shame, but he was itching to preach on Good Friday, I can tell you that, but uh, that didn't happen. So, uh, But as you know, uh, we're um, all working together as one church at the moment while the renovations are happening at the South. And uh, so we got, got back from Africa after about 30 hours of traveling uh, on planes and different things. I was so tired. I've been taking malaria tablets all the time. I was so tired I took double malaria tablets. And I was like, oh, I'm going to poison myself. And, and I thought there was something wrong when wings started to grow. Uh, but uh, all was good. Uh, so it's great to be back uh, with the church family. I want to share with you uh, the, from the Gospel of Mark. And the Gospel of Mark describes the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. For many people, it is unthinkable, it is unbelievable that a man would rise from the dead. But of course, the Gospels declares that the very foundation of our faith is not only the cross, but the resurrection. And in one breath, when we talk about the power of the cross, we talk about the power of the resurrection. But let me give you a bit of historical context. Because at the time of Jesus and around that period, 100 years before and so on, um, there, were, there were numbers of messiahs that appeared. And this is well documented. It's documented in different ways that different uh, individuals would rise up and would lead rebellions and lead against the Romans and against the Jewish authorities, these messiahs. They were often bandits. Terrorists, as they were seen by the Romans or by the Jewish authorities. And they would come and they would hide in the hills and they would lead revolutions right from right back to a period of what we call the Maccabees. Right back several hundreds of years, always establishing, always believing for the Messiah to come. Because the Messiah would liberate the nation. The Messiah would do something amazing and they would come. And there was the Jesus movement. What has bothered Many historians. And what have they've tried to answer from a secular non-belief point of view is how was it, how was it that the Jesus movement didn't collapse after the death of Jesus? How was it that it wasn't the end? How was it that they didn't finish? Because they'd done many movements, many Messiah figures. I've, I've read about them. I've read their accounts. I've, I've, I've studied these individuals that rose up and declared liberation, rose up and led bands of Galileans and Judeans against the authorities and against the different rulers of the time. And they were quickly and swiftly dispatched by the 
by the brilliance of the Roman uh, officials. They were able to deal with these kind of fake messiahs that they called them. These messiahs that wanted to change the status quo, that wanted to change the world. Fascinating uh, heroes are often Jewish history that are written about these individuals that rose up and declared a, a Messiah coming to do a great task, a Messiah. So it was, it was fascinating the way that, that Christianity didn't collapse. In fact, it did the opposite. Christianity exploded. It grew exponentially. Within 300 years, it had dominated the Roman world and had changed the world. And, and from the very elite to the very poorest, they were following this Christ figure. What was the power? What was the difference? They nailed him to a cross. They eliminated him. They placed him in a tomb. And yet, it kept going. It's the words of the centurion. In the words of centurion, he said, as he saw Jesus die upon that cross, he said, surely this is the Son of God. Surely this is the Son of God. And yes, they thought that they had dispatched him. Everybody thought that he was dead. First of all, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, it talks about the day of preparation. Day before the Sabbath, so the evening approached, and Joseph... Joseph of Amathia, uh, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. So clearly, Joseph, a prominent member of the council, went to Pilate. And remember these Roman rulers. These were powerful. These were men that had the power of life and death, as we know. These were Roman officials that spoke with the, with the power of the great Roman Empire. He goes to him and says, you know, can I have the body? Clearly, Joseph thought that, that Jesus was dead, that he was over. He was finished with. It was it, and I'll get the linen, because there was a rush. They had to get the body off the cross, in a tomb, before the sun set, because it is against the uh, biblical law to touch a dead body uh, once the Sabbath starts. You become unclean. So they had to do this, and so he goes boldly to Pilate. He said, I know, I certify that he's dead. He's completely dead. I certify it. Can I have the body, please? Well, here it says in verse 44... A pilot was surprised to hear that he was already dead. So he summoned the centurion and he asked him if Jesus had already died. Now, so Joseph of Amathia certified it and then the centurion certified it. And the one thing we know about centurions in the Roman Empire, they knew when a person was dead. That was their deal. They knew how to kill people. I mean, put in it, they were, they were Roman soldiers. They knew how to crucify people. They knew how to dispatch people. They knew how to get rid of them. And you don't go to Pilate, the, the representative of the Roman Empire, and he goes, well, do you, is Jesus dead? And the centurion would make absolutely certain that he was dead. He's not going to say, well, Pilate, mm, 
Maybe. I mean, I, I kicked him, and he didn't, didn't do anything. Maybe he's dead, maybe he's not. That's unthinkable. He's dead. Joseph thought he's dead. The centurion thought he was dead. And then in the story, the women definitely thought he was dead. Chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body very early on the first day of the week. Just after sunrise, they were there on their way to the tomb and they were asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Well, they're going there with spices to finish off the burial process. They're going there to see the body. They're going there to complete the task because after the Sabbath, they can no go there. And what Mark is doing in this story, he's highlighting the fact and the time that Mark was written was that, and he names the people, Mary, Mary Magdalene, uh, Salmone. He names them. Why does he name them? Because at the time of the writing of Mark, these people were still alive. It's like a footnote. You can go and talk to these people. You can know these people because they were there when it happened. They were present. They knew that Jesus was dead. We, and there they are discussing. They dis- what are they discussing? Well, who's going to roll the stone away? Three ladies walking along going, how are we going to move the stone? Who's going to move it? How are you doing? Are you feeling fit? Have you been to CrossFit recently? Have you moved stones and practiced with this or not? And they're like, hmm, now, you know, how are we going to do it? Um, because, you know, they're, they're trying to work it out and, and do this and, and move the stone. Well, perhaps we'll do it together. This, they're not walking along saying he's not dead. They're expecting him to be dead. And then they get to the tomb, having debated about the stone. And what do they find? They find the empty tomb. They find an angel sat there dressed in white. And he says to them, don't be alarmed. I think they were pretty alarmed at that moment. Don't be alarmed. Who says, come on, are you ready to move the stone? Get your muscles going, Magdalene. We're getting ready. Oh, it's open. Who are you? Don't be alarmed. I'm a white angel shimmering at this moment. Right, don't be alarmed. Ah, okay. And what does the angel say? Don't be alarmed. He said, you are looking for Jesus, indeed, of Nazareth. Yes. Who was crucified? That's the one. Well, let me tell you something. He has risen. He has risen. He has risen at that moment. And as they, 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 listening to these words, they were thinking, what is happening? He is risen. He is, he is not here See the place where he laid? It's like the angel gives a guided tour. You see the place? You see how it was? He's gone. He's gone. Now go and tell his disciples and go and tell Peter. I love that, don't you? Why? Because if you don't know your Bible a bit, Peter was the one that was like, oh, I am never going to deny you. 
I'm never going to deny you. I am with you to the end. Peter's the one, when they come to arrest Jesus, he, um, he, he pulls out a sword. And Jesus going, no, what are you doing with a sword? You know, three years of Bible college and you've got a sword? And then he chops the priest's attendant's ear off. And Jesus going, don't chop people's ears off. How will they hear the gospel? Come on. Like, put the sword away. We don't deal with swords. We're not like those others. You know, and then he's, I'm never going to. And then he betrays three times. Peter is, is the one. And yet Jesus knows this. And Jesus through the angel says, go and tell the disciples and tell, tell him that I'm alive. Tell Peter. He's failed. He walked away. He denied. But when the resurrection has happened, he didn't appear to them and say, look at you, bunch of losers. Look at you. I was trying to tell you all scattered around and you went off except for John the beloved, all of you, a waste of time. I trained you for three years. He didn't say that, did he? He appeared to them and he said, peace I bring to you. And that's the message of Christianity, that we feel like we may have failed. We feel like we have gone the wrong way. We feel like we make mistakes, but there is always a second chance. Why? Because on the third day, Jesus Christ rose victorious and he conquered Satan, sin and death. And you may feel like a Peter. You know, I haven't lived for God. I've, I've denied it. I've been inactive for two years through COVID. I haven't lived right. I've let things get me down. I've let the enemy lie to me. I'm full of frustration and resentment. And I say the third day means a new day. It was not only a new day for Jesus. It is a new day for every one of you. It's a new day. Because when you've got... Jesus, there's always a second day. There's always a new day. There's always a time where you can step in to that relationship with God. I mean, the disciples, they, I mean, they were told a few times that Jesus would rise from the dead, you know. In fact, if you know your Bible and the book of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 8, Jesus says, he says, I must die, but then I will rise on the third day. And they all go, oh, good, excellent. John chapter 9, they've had the transfiguration. They're going down. He deals with the, um, the young boy who's having convulsions. And then he teaches them and says, oh, by the way, I must, be, I must die, but on the third day I'll rise again. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. What's he talking about? I don't know. Um, and then chapter 10. After the young rich ruler, they see him again. And he goes, now let me tell you, who's going to be the greatest? You can't ask that, but let me just tell you something. It's not about greatness. The Son of Man must die, and then I'll rise again. Three times. And yet, on the day of resurrection, it's like they didn't expect that. <sighs> Men. <laughs> you tell them. Right, ladies? You tell them, my wife says to me three times, the bins need to be out or the garbage needs to be at the end of the road on Thursday morning. Yes, love, Thursday morning, I will do that. 
the bins need to be out, the garbage Thursday. Yes, 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 I love you, my sweetheart. The bins need to be out. And then Thursday morning, she said, have you done the bins? No. <laughs> Don't you remember me telling you three times? <laughs> uh, no, I just thought, like, you would do it. Uh, <laughs> men, we told things, but we forget things. They were told three times, and yet they'd somehow forgotten that Jesus would rise from the dead. Now, why is this? Is it because they have my problems? No. Because philosophically and culturally, like you and I, it is really difficult for people, even then as it is today, to believe that a dead man can rise again. You see, you may think that those are ancient people and they weren't quite as bright as you and I. But they did not believe in individual resurrection at all. Uh, Greeks believed in nothing like that. They kind of believed in the kind of a, a kind of ethereal spiritual world and that you become like a little, if you're good, a little kind of shining star or something in the afterworld. It was very nondescript and quite unexciting. But... But, but, but the Jews, yes, they believed in some kind of resurrection at the end of history, end of time. But it wasn't. And some of them did, some of them didn't. Pharisees, Sadducees. But the idea of an individual resurrection was inconceivable to them. And so they, they heard it, but they didn't get it. They heard it, but they didn't understand it. Until... That day, when, they, when Jesus appears to them and says to them, have peace, look, I have risen. I have risen. I have done it. And people have been trying to contest this fact throughout history. Even at the early uh, Celsius, the great Roman uh, philosopher wrote a, 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 an essay on, on, on refuting the claims of Christianity about A.D. 150. And one of the reasons, he says, was because, of course, women's testimony were not accepted in court. And if you're going to write something to convince people, you never mention women because they had no status, they had no position, and therefore they didn't even have a right to speak in a, law, a court of law. And, he, and Celsius says, well, we know that Christianity is untrue. Because the first people to go to the tomb and find that Jesus has risen were women. And we know that women are hysterical. And that, I mean, rude. Um, but that was their attitude. If you're going to convince people, you don't write it like this. But, but of course, it is written like this. And Mark is straight to the point. Why? Because Jesus Christ rose from the grave because Jesus Christ came to do something significant. You see, when he hung upon the cross, he spoke, Father, forgive them. Why did he say that? So that after the resurrection, every one of us can be forgiven and we can be made into children of God and all our shame, all our guilt is gone. Father, forgive them. 
on the cross, he spoke, this day you will be in paradise. And that is the promise that every one of us, because Jesus has died, gone to the grave and rose again, every one of us will live forever and we will rise again at that point and we will live for eternity. That is the promise of Christianity. As he hung upon the cross, he says, Why, Father, have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so that none of us ever need to be forsaken. All of us can be accepted. He was forsaken so you can be accepted. You can be a child of God. You can be accepted. We are no longer orphans. We are no longer lost. We are no longer searching for meaning and purpose because we have found our meaning. We have found our purpose. And that meaning and that purpose is Jesus Christ. And he has saved us. He said, I'm thirsty. He's humanity identifies with our humanity that in life when you are thirsty he says he says you will thirst but what water i give you you will never thirst again in other words you will be fulfilled you will find peace you will find true meaning through christ's death and resurrection he did it he did it And because he achieved it, the message of Christianity is hope, always hope that out of death can come life, that there is a future beyond our death, that there is forgiveness available, and that every one of us can know that day when we will see him face to face. A lovely story of, um, of a, a minister, an Anglican minister that travels around the world. He was recounting this and he was saying that I, um, he goes and starts passion plays all, all around the world. He was on a Polynesian island and he was teaching the 12 disciples or the disciples that would play from the local village and community and he took them onto the beach. It was a hot day and he said, now to understand how they would have felt... Imagine somebody you have lost completely. And then suddenly you look up, and as you look up, you see that person who has died walking down the beach towards you. He said, what would be your reaction? That's how I want you to play the part. And he said, at that moment, at that moment, he said, it it was unbelievable. He said, this group of Polynesian men said, he said, now imagine and act like that. He said, they instantly jumped up. They screamed. They turned around and they ran towards down the beach toward the sun. And they were screaming. Their arms were wide open and they were running, greeting this person. He said, it was so Moving. Can you imagine that? As they ran into the sunlight to greet that person. That's how the dear apostles would have felt. But I want to tell you something. That eternity is ours. And one day you'll wake up in that paradise. And the, the world, the glorious glory of God's presence. 
and we will be greeted by being greeted by Jesus Christ, the first amongst those who has risen from the dead. And because he has done it, we will do it as well. Because he has defeated death, death is defeated. Because he has broken the grave, the grave has no sting for us now. He has purchased our salvation. And even for those of us who have lost loved ones, we know that one day we'll run down that beach and know we know that the salvation that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ is eternal and is beautiful. And it brings salvation and it brings a surety and it brings hope and it brings life. He did it. And friends, you and I can know that in our lives, that assurance. And as we close and go towards the baptisms. Let me just pause and pray. Christ has risen. Let me remind you again, he's defeated sin. Sin stops us from having a relationship with God. It is a wall, but he came to break that wall down so you can have a beautiful relationship with God. I, I know I'm enthusiastic, and people often say, well, you're enthusiastic, aren't you, about this? I am enthusiastic. I'm not a normal Englishman who is reserved. I drink coffee, not tea. And, but I get excited because I know that what I possess and what each one of you can possess and so many of you do possess is a beautiful, intimate, living, consistent relationship with God. And that's because of the resurrection. I also know that through the resurrection, the power of evil is defeated. We're waiting for that great day. And we know the power of evil because every time we switch on the TV, we see man's ability and man's brokenness for evil, for war, for destruction. But there is a promise that when Christ died on the cross, he defeated evil. And the evil and darkness that often afflicts our lives, those things we can't even speak of when we find Jesus, boy, we find freedom. Boy, we find life. We find hope. And finally, death. It has no sting. Because he did it, you will do it too. You will live forever. That's the promise. That's on the tin. And that's why it's so crazy. And that's why Christianity didn't collapse. It didn't disappear like every other little movement. Because the Messiah that came, came to establish a new nation. Not a little nation, but a nation of believers that will worship God for eternity. And that is what you and I have. And maybe you haven't got that. Maybe you're like, you've heard it three or four times and you're still not getting it. And you're thinking, I really would need Jesus to appear to me. Well, maybe if you ask him, he will. And you say, well, that's a strange thing. I'll tell you about my father-in-law, my, uh, my wife's uh, uh, dad, John, his name was. He was a tough man. He, he, he I won't call him a gangster, but he, everybody was afraid of him. Ran a, 
including me. He ran, ran a haulage company, tough. He, he'd, he'd been a bouncer and a roadie for, for all the bands like the Rolling Stones and the Doors. He'd been in that kind of scene. The only ones he ever didn't bother with was the Beatles, uh, the, the little band. And... And, and he was tough, and everybody knew Johnny Wanklin. Everybody knew him in, in the pub, in the bar. Until one day, when Salvation visited their home, he looked into the mirror, and for a moment he couldn't see his face. But behind him, he saw Jesus' figure for a moment. And that man fell on his knees and gave his life to Jesus Christ. Because he met God. Are you... God has a way of turning up. Maybe you've heard it. Take your garbage out. Take your garbage out. Take your garbage out. And now it's time to take your garbage out so you meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you get to meet him. And he changes your life. I love it. So how do you take your garbage out? By just confessing and inviting Jesus to come in. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, even at this moment, maybe you're distanced from God. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're like one of those disciples that has just disappeared. You've just disappeared. You've been off the radar. For a week, for days, for a while, for too long, you've been off the radar. You've been hiding. But today it's time to come back to God. It's time to get right with God. It's time to become a Christian, whatever, wherever you're at. I'm going to say a prayer. Adopt it for yourself or say your own prayer now. Or maybe introduce yourself to Jesus and say, show yourself to me. But the prayer goes like this. Lord Jesus Christ, I acknowledge you as Lord. And I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me for all my sins. Maybe there's things you just want to mention to him at this moment. Things you know that you can just say in a split second that tells a lifetime of events. Forgive me of my sins. And come into my life and change me. As you gave yourself for me on the cross, I give myself to you. I choose to make you Lord of my life. I choose to follow you today. I choose you. For a moment as every head's bowed and I'm not going to embarrass anybody but if you prayed that prayer I'd love to pray for you not by name but 
just generally prayer an Easter prayer blessing if you're coming back to Christ or giving your life to Christ for this moment maybe just raise your hand or look up and by doing that you say pray for me I'm choosing to give my life to Jesus today God bless you sir God bless God bless you God bless thank you man Anybody in the balcony? Looking around. God bless you. Bless. Many people, madam. Father, for many people that are responding to saying, I'm coming home to God. I'm coming to Jesus. Will you bless them? Will you encourage them? Will you meet with them like you met in that lovely reading in Luke? In the garden. Rabbi Knight, Master, bless Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you leave, and for anybody, even if you didn't raise your hand, do take one of these response packs, and it has like a journal in, a couple of books, some chocolate. And information, chocolate. Um, But don't take it for the chocolate, please. God knows. Um, I need to put it back myself. Um, and, and, And begin your journey and let us know. And there's a little response card there. But praise the Lord.